Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of 2 Samuel, chapter 11. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Delilah asked him three times. She said, Sammy, what do I have to do to get your strength so I can afflict you? (laughs) Her name means weakened and impoverished. Uh, Judges chapter 16, verse 6. Don't turn there. Just that's your reference. Judges 16, verse 6. She says, what do I have to do to get your strength so I can afflict you? He told her, if you weave seven locks of my hair in a loom, then I will be weak. So she takes a rope and she ties his hands. She ties his hair to a loom. And then Delilah yells out, the Philistines are upon us. And Samson wakes up and just walks away, pulling the whole loom, breaking the tie. I need a DVD. (laughs) Breaking the ties. The ties and Samson, you know, was a Nazarite and part of the Nazarite vow was that he was not to cut his hair. So Samson fell asleep and while sleeping, Delilah cuts his hair for Samson getting a haircut was going too far. The Philistines captured Samson and deported him to Gaza in shackles. Now, listen, disobedience to God. Here it is. Disobedience to God has repercussions. Are you listening to me? disobedience to God has repercussions. In Samson's case, listen, if you got a pen, I want you to write this down. Please write this down. This is important. In Samson's case, deportation, incarceration, mutilation, and humiliation. Deportation, incarceration, mutilation, and humiliation. Deportation. They took Samson to Gaza. Incarceration. They bound him with shackles. Mutilation. They gouged out his eyes. And humiliation. They sent, set him to grinding. And grinding was a job for animals and for slaves. Somebody once said it like this. Sin will bind you. Sin will blind you. And sin will grind you. Sin will bind you. Sin will blind you and sin will grind you. I said last week, sin will take you further than you want to go. You'll stay longer than you want to stay and you'll pay more than you want to pay. So guard your moment. Guard your heart. Proverbs 4, 23 through 27. Keep your heart with all diligence for out of it springs the issues of life. Put away from you a deceitful mouth and put perverse lips far from you and let your eyes look straight ahead and your eyelids look right before you. Ponder the path of your feet. That means look at what you're doing and where you're going and what are you doing with your life. Ponder the path of your feet and let all your ways be established. 
And don't turn to the right or to the left. Remove your foot from evil. Proverbs, pardon me, Psalms 143 or 141.3. Psalm 141.3. Set a watch, O Lord, before my mouth and keep the door of my lips. Isn't that a great prayer? Psalm 141, verse 3. Set a watch, O Lord, before my mouth and keep the door of my lips. Samson couldn't conquer the flesh, could conquer the, could conquer the Philistines, but he couldn't conquer his flesh. Samson could conquer the Philistines, but he couldn't conquer his flesh. David conquered armies and territories, but he couldn't conquer his flesh. David takes Bathsheba, and the only words recorded for, uh, for Bathsheba in, in the Bible is she tells David, I'm pregnant. Second Samuel chapter 11, look at verse 6. David tries to think quick, and he begins to hatch a plan. He told Joab to go get Uriah so Uriah could go sleep with his wife, and then he won't be clear. Nobody will be clear who the baby daddy is. In verse 9, Uriah is a man of integrity and character. He didn't sleep with his wife. Verse 10, when they told David Uriah didn't go in to sleep with his wife, David said, I know what I'll do. I'll get Uriah drunk. Look at verse 13. Uriah spoiled the plan yet once again. That night he did not go sleep with his wife. He hung out with the servants. That's where we left off last time, saints. I've titled this sermon, An Unguarded Moment, An Unguarded Moment, Part 2. Second Samuel, I, Second Samuel, Chapter 11, and we're going to pick up, and we'll finish uh, chapter 11 tonight. We're picking up in verse 14. Second Samuel, chapter 11, we're looking at verse 14. If you're looking at it, say amen. In the morning it happened that David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it by the hand of Uriah. And he wrote in the letter saying, set Uriah in the forefront of the hottest battle and retreat from him that he may be struck down and die. And so it was while Joab besieged the city that he assigned Uriah to a place where he knew there would be valiant men. And then the men of the city came out and they fought with Joab and some of the people of the servants of David fell. And Uriah the Hittite died also. And then Joab sent and told David all the things concerning the war. And charged the messenger, saying, When you have finished telling the matter of the war to the king, if it happens that the king's wrath rises and he says to you, Why did you approach so near to the city when you fought? Did you not know that they would shoot from the wall? Who struck, verse 21, Abimelech, the son of Jebusheth? Is that right? Jerubasheth? Jerubasheth? Amen that guy was it not a woman who cast a piece of millstone on him from the wall so that he died in Thebes why did you go near the wall then you shall say your servant Uriah the Hittite is dead also saints let's stop right there give me your attention David is unsuccessful in getting Uriah to sleep with his wife Uriah listen is not a Jew Although his name means God is my light, Uriah. That's a good boy name, Uriah. 
God is my light. That's what it means. Uriah is probably a proselyte to Judaism and probably most likely was discipled by David, which makes this story even more interesting that David would have him killed. And it's clear from verse 11 that Uriah believed in God and in the things of God. Look at verse 11 in in this chapter. Uriah said, David, the ark and Israel are intense, intense. The battlefield is in jeopardy. Joab and the men are in the field. Am I supposed to go and enjoy myself with my wife? So Uriah believed in God and the things of God. Am I supposed to go enjoy myself with my wife? It's very interesting that David did. So David is trying to get Uriah to compromise his standards and first go in and get a good night's rest from the battlefield with your wife. And that didn't work. Were you with me last week? Verse 13, the Bible says, David, look at verse 13. This kind of struck me today. David made him drunk. David made him drunk. The images, the king said, here's some liquor. Here, try some vodka. You'll love it. 450 BC. Here's some vodka. And try this liquor and try this beer. He made him drunk. Uriah staggers outside the palace, headed home, but he didn't make it. David, in verse 14, is out of plans. So in the morning, David wrote a letter to Joab and delivered the letter by the hand of Uriah. Now, that's cold. That is cold. You need to write that in your margins. That's cold. Verse 15, David said in the letter, Joab put Uriah in the forefront of the battle. That's the hottest battle. And pull back from him that he might be hit and die. Are y'all getting this? Uriah is carrying his own death warrant to give to Joab. And that tells us Uriah trusted David. And David wasn't worried that he would open the letter. Think about that. Keep in mind, Joab hasn't read chapter 11. Joab doesn't know. Amen. Joab doesn't know that David slept with Uriah's wife. Joab doesn't know that David is trying to have him killed. Joab doesn't know that Bathsheba is pregnant. So Joab thinks Uriah must have done something wrong. And he trusted David. Now, what do we learn from this? We learn, listen, when you're involved in sin, you get others involved in your sin. And sometimes people get involved in sin and they don't know it. Joab doesn't know anything about all this, but he trusted David. So now Joab is becoming part of David's sin because he's going to be guilty of murder. Look at verse 16. While Joab was taking the city that he he assigned Uriah to the place where he knew, watch this, there were valiant men. Now, I could be reading into this, but here's my thought. I get a hunch that Joab knew something was up. Because think about this. Think about it. Now, I'm military. 13 years, Navy. Nine of them stationed with the Marine Corps. All right? Amen. Two people. Amen. That's all, that's all right. We can take them all. We take all y'all. We take all y'all. Here's why. I get the, I get the hunch that, that David knew, that, that, uh, that Joab knew something. Because as a general, you don't put a sacrificial lamb out there to be killed. You don't intentionally put your men in a place where they can be killed. No, Joab put Uriah near some guys who were warriors. 
Did you see that? He had some valiant men. There's some guys who were some warriors who could fight. Look at verse 17. The men of the city fought and Joab was out there with them. And some of the servants of David fell and Uriah died also. So now David is costing the lives of other men as well, not just Uriah. Listen, this is the nature of sin. It always leaves collateral damage. In other words, innocent people are hurt and destroyed in the process of your sin. Sin destroys. Did you hear me? Sin destroys. Sin destroys nations. Sin destroys peoples. Sin destroys marriages. Sin destroys youth. Sin destroys. Proverbs 14.34, righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. Sin destroys relationships. Sin destroys cultures. Can't you see? Sin is destroying our nation. Sin is destroying our country. Sin is destroying our cities. In verse 18, Joab, Joab sent messengers to tell David everything that had happened. Joab told the messengers, when you're finished telling David what happened, if the king gets angry, verse 18 through 21, just come with me. If the king gets angry and he says, why did you get so near to the city? Do you, do you not know that they would shoot from the wall? Verse 21, David, listen, is remembering. If you want to write something in your margin, write this. Judges 9, 50 through 57. Judges 9, write that right outside of verse 21. Judges 9, 50 through 57. Judges chapter 9, verses 50 through 57, is the story of a man by the name of Abimelech. And Abimelech is on a rampage to destroy anyone that gets in the way. And so he comes to a tower to burn it down. Once you read it in your own time, not now, just listen. So he comes to a tower to burn it down. The people are hiding in there. And there's this one no-name woman who sees Abimelech down there, and she takes a millstone like a cooking utensil, a 10 by 14, approximately 5 pounds, and she threw it down on his head, bullseye, hit him in the head, Martha Stewart style. <laughs> so while... So while Abimelech is laying there, reading your own time, is laying there, Bloody and bleeding, he called his armor bearer over. Sounds like Saul. He called his armor bearer over and said, take your sword and kill me. So people don't say, ha ha, a woman killed you. Too late because we know a woman really killed him. Amen. Y'all need to wake up. Come with me. The man killed him, the, the armor bearer. You know, I heard this story of this guy who walks up to this female librarian and he said, I'm looking for a book titled Men, the Superior Sex. She looked at him and said, well, it's two hours down in the fiction section. <laughs> Joab. <laughs> Joab knows David is a military guy. And when you tell David, David's a military guy. When you tell David that five or six of his SEAL team members got killed, David is going to be angry. He's going to say, what kind of strategy was that? Don't you remember the woman who threw down millstones on Abimelech? Why did you go so close to the wall? You know how women like to throw things against the wall. David's point is, 
Jacques, make sure I get out of here tonight, okay? <laughs> David's point is, getting close to the wall, that's a crazy military move. People die. Joab said, when you hear David ask about what's going on near the wall, then say, your servant Uriah is dead. Look at verse 22 through 27. So the messengers went and came and told David all that Joab has sent by him. And the messenger said to David in verse 23, Surely the men prevailed against us and came out to us in the field, and then we drove them back as far as the entrance of the gate. The archers shot from the wall at your servants, and some of the king's servants are dead, and your servant Uriah the Hittite is dead also. And then David said to the messengers, Thus you shall say to Joab, Do not let this thing displease you, for the sword devours one, underline this, for the sword devours one as well as another. Strength, strengthen yourself, strengthen your attack against the city and overthrow it. And so encourage him. And when the wife of Uriah heard that Uriah, her husband, was dead, she mourned for her husband. And when her mourning was over, David sent in verse 27 and brought her to his house. And she became his wife and bore him a son. But the thing underlined this last phrase of chapter 11, verse 27. But the thing that David had done displeased who saints? the Lord. So the servants, let me have your attention. The servants get back and they start telling David all that happened. And note, they don't wait for David to get mad. Verse 24, they tell David right out, like straight away. That's how I say in England, straight away, right out, straight away. The archer shot from the wall. And some of the SEAL team members are dead. And Uriah is dead. Now, keep in mind, they don't have text in those days and Facebook and email, so they sent messengers. Verse 25, David said to the messengers, go and tell Joab, don't let this thing displease you, or literally, don't let this be evil in your eyes. Notice, the sword devours one as well as another. I had you underline that because that is an old proverb regarding fate uh, as it relates to war or the fortune of war, fate as it relates to war, being at war. It was like saying you win some, you lose some, or these things happen. It was a way to soothe a guilty conscience. And I'm sure that David said it to his own guilty conscience as much as he said it to Joab. When Bathsheba in verse 26 heard that her husband was dead, she mourned for her husband. And there's no reason to believe she knew what David did because it's possible. Listen, you know, I told you Bathsheba, I don't know, praiseworthy, not blameworthy. Uh, it's possible that she was happy to hear Uriah was dead because she would be, if he was alive and all of this came out, she would be labeled. Anybody know where I'm going? She would be labeled an adulteress. And if she were labeled an adulteress, that would mean what? Stoning, good Bible students, stoning. Also, now she's going to be the wife of a king. So I don't know. Maybe she's happy. I don't know. I don't know. I, I just don't. The Bible doesn't tell us and we're free to speculate. I, I don't know. She's going to be the wife of the king. 
So I'm not sure her actions are praiseworthy or blameworthy. Culturally, mourning lasted seven days publicly. When her mourning was over, David brought her to his house and she became his wife and bore him a son. Listen, there was no welfare system in those days, no Social Security, no military uh, retirement, no VA benefits in those days. Um, Not these days either, actually. Uh, It was typical in those days, it was typical for someone to uh, take care of a widow for the rest of her life, to care for her. So when David takes her to his house, David is looking like the big guy. King David is looking like the king who's doing the right thing. She became his wife and bare him a son, but verse 27 tells us, the thing that David had done displeased the Lord. David in verse 25 said to Joab, Don't let this be evil in your eyes. Note this, saints, the last statement of 2 Samuel chapter 11, but the thing that David did was evil in the eyes of the Lord. David, listen, might be thinking nobody knows what he did, but the thing that David did displeased the Lord. Hebrews chapter 4, if you've been asleep, wake up right here. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 13. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things... Y'all come on, read this with me. In, in verse Hebrews 4, 13. Come on, read it with me. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. That's what the Bible says. This word open... Let me have that verse for a second. This word open was the word used for the sacrificial lamb when it was brought to slaughter to expose a vein to cut. This word means completely open and vulnerable, rendering powerless. The Bible teaches all people everywhere are in the grip of God and totally vulnerable and helpless and laid bare before his eyes. Proverbs 15.3, the eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on evil and good. Now, let me give you really quickly a, um, thank you for the verse. Let me give you really quickly a concise theology lesson, what we call concise theology. The word omniscient means God knows everything. He knows everything about everybody all the time. God's eyes run everywhere. He searches all hearts. He knows the future, no less than the past and the present. God knows things before they ever happen. Listen to this. This is deep. God knows things that never happen. Are you feeling me? God knows things that never happen. Let's try to wrap your mind around that. Like, what, 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 what? what? God knows things that never happened, like maybe things you thought of, but you never did. Omniscience. God knows everything. Omnipotent. Some people say omnipotent. Omnipotent. Means what? All-powerful. All-powerful. God knows everything. He knows everything about everybody all the time. 
His eyes run to and fro, the Bible says, throughout the whole earth. So God is always aware. God always knows. He searches all hearts. He knows the future. There's nothing hid from God. There is nothing to hide behind because God sees everything. There's nothing about you that he doesn't know and he still loves you. Here comes the good news. Nothing about you that, 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 that he knows and yet he still loves you. You know, some people love you until they get to know you. <laughs> now, I ain't talking to nobody in this room. Y'all all sweet. Y'all so sweet. Sweet people. Sweet people. Some people love you till they get to know you. God loves you, and he already knows you. I'm going to wait while you clap your hands in. He already knows you. God loves you. He knows everything about you. And that's the good news. God knew what David was going to do before he did it. And yes, he had a choice and he chose to sin with Bathsheba. I'll tell you something Then I'm done. I'm done. The Bible says, listen, you reap what you sow and the consequences of sin of the seed that you sow will bear fruit. You reap what you sow. Man, I started to go into this whole thing about seed time and harvest here. And I thought, well, I'm out of time. I'm not going to have a lot of time. And it looks like I got plenty of time, but I'm not going to go into it tonight. <laughs> well, I'll just tell you like this. <laughs> you read what you sow. The Bible is very, very clear about that. You sow one kind of seed, you will reap that. You sow peas, you're going to get peas. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.